certainly appreciate the good singing. Uh, I like that song, The Unclouded Day. I, I like, they tell me that He smiles on His children there. Uh, when He was on this earth, the Bible says He was a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. Uh, but in that place, he'll, he'll smile. He's no longer a man of sorrow. My friend, he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I uh, appreciate, uh, hard to imagine, we were talking in Sunday school, it's hard for our finite minds to grasp eternity, uh, eternity in the future and eternity in the past. Um, but I'm glad that we serve an all-seeing, all-powerful, all-knowing God. That He knows our hearts. And, uh, and I'm glad that I know Him and I'm glad that He knows me. Something on your heart before we go any further in the, in the service today. I'd say I appreciate um, those who came out Wednesday night. I pray that we'd grow as we go along. We talked Wednesday night um, in John 13. And if, if He don't change my mind, we'll continue that into 14. Uh, this Wednesday night and uh, talking about the last night um, that the Lord Jesus spent before He was crucified. And, and there's uh, about seven chapters, I guess, that deal with that one night. And, uh, and so we're going to be looking at those. But um, 6 o'clock on Wednesday night. Uh, if you have your Bibles and want to turn along, we're going to be reading Scripture out of the 19th chapter of the book of Revelation. Um, as, as it was said in Sunday school, this is nothing new. Um, there's, um, I firmly am persuaded that, that every message, um, every message that is being preached today has already been preached by somebody in the past. And, uh, and there, in other words, there's, uh, there's nothing new to bring. Uh, but uh, but it's still good and rich. And I uh, did your prayers. I was sort of unsettled on, on what to preach, and I'm still not real sure, but this Scripture was laid upon my heart yesterday, so all we know is to uh, try to stand on that, and, and whether it be for a few minutes or for a longer period, we'll, we'll find out. But the 19th chapter of the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is, um, according to the first chapter, uh, of this book, it's the revelation that God gave unto His Son to show unto His angels and His servants the things that shall shortly come to pass. And uh, and so, um, I've often said that that the, the revelation is is the from the Greek word apocalypso, where we get the term apocalypse. And the revelation was an unveiling. It was. It's almost as if um, the curtains on a play have been drawn back. And John was able to see into the future. And, and so Revelation is into the future. And certainly there are many things that are hard to be understood. Probably many things that will never be understood. Probably some things that are symbolic and probably some things that are literal. And trying to differentiate the two um, is, is, can be somewhat problematic in the book of Revelation. But John wrote these things um, by the light that he had and the time that he had and what he saw unfold into the future. Uh, I firmly am persuaded that we have seen and are seeing 
the things come to pass in our day. And, uh, and we, we, we know that John, um, John and Daniel is the Old Testament, Daniel and Ezekiel, but a lot of Daniel is sort of the Old Testament contemporary to the book of Revelation. Daniel spoke of the Antichrist to come. Daniel spoke of a man that would come on the scene that would, that would wear out the saints of the Most High God. A man that would enact policies and by his policies would, would, uh, would bring instead of peace for a time, uh, but then that peace would turn to war. And so we know men are striving and it seems like there are a great many people that are making policies that will wear out the saints of the Most High God. And I've thought this week along the lines of a battlefield and we know what's going on in Ukraine, we know what's going on in, in Taiwan and different parts of this world, um, and so we know that, uh, that the war, the, the, uh, the uh, sounds of war and the drums of war have begun to blow. Uh, but, uh, but there is a war that will end all wars. And, and uh, you and I, whether we realize it or not, are, are on a battlefield today. And, uh, and, and the time is, has uh, really past come that we're going to have to pick a, pick a side and take a stand. And, and uh, for the life of me, I, I can't understand, Brother G.H. said it while ago, can't understand why his grandchildren will not seek God. And, and for the life of me, I cannot understand with all that's going on in the world why men and women aren't actively seeking God today. And, uh, and, and if you have any sense about you this morning, you'd realize that you are a finite being and that that one day, as I said a while ago, you're absolutely going to breathe your last breath on planet earth and, and, uh, and the soul is eternal. In other words, that soul will never die. Uh, it will go on in one form or another. It will go on in one place or another. And so it would behoove you today uh, to really listen to what I'm about to say and to make preparations if you have not done so yet in this life uh, that God would give you one more opportunity. Uh, but for the church, we are absolutely in the midst of the battle today. And I've heard it said by many preachers that I want to die on the battlefield. And maybe it's not been preached much around here or, or even where I'm at about the battles of life, but but we are absolutely thrown into the midst of a battle uh, the day that we are born and birthed into the family of God. And, uh, and so God requires of us a call to arms and a call to action and a call to a prayer life and a call to service. And so we need to answer that uh, for it's not lands that we're battling for today, but it is the very souls of children and it is the soul of our nation that stands in the great battle. Uh, we are blessed in this country. We haven't had battle in our, in, on our soul really uh, in, in quite some time. But, but the day might very well come where the battle is brought home. But I will say this, that Satan has waged an all-out war against the church of the living God. And that battle, my friend, is here at home. And, uh, and it's where we have to fight the battle. And so in Revelation chapter 19, uh, in verse number 11, 
Uh, the Bible says, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness doth he judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. That's me. That's me, and if you've been saved, that's you. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God, that ye may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of them that sit on them and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. And I saw the beasts and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone, and the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. And I'll stop there. <clears throat> As I said, I thought this week about the battle that's all about us. I've, I've noticed things that, that, uh, that just make you sort of question what are we doing as a nation and what are we doing as a church and what are we, uh, what are we fighting? And, and I realize that, that uh, primary elections are upon us and I'm not going to talk about politics, but I've I'll say that every man and woman that's running for office is making their pitch and, and why you should vote for them. But, but uh, it seems like more often than not, uh, they won't tell you what they're for. They'll just tell you what they're against. And it's important to be against things. And my friend, it's also important to be for things. And, and, uh, and you can be uh, for the wrong things and against the right things. And, and so I've thought to myself this week, what have we, uh, what are we doing as a nation? If you've paid attention in the news, we have uh, celebrated and given, uh, given a, a victory to a man who, who is a swimmer who, uh, quite honestly, if you want to get to the truth of the matter, couldn't cut it on the men's side of the swimming, uh, so he decided to go and, and compete against the women and just dominated them and, and, uh, and he's being celebrated. I noticed during the, uh, the uh, uh, women's basketball coverage of the women's tournament on ESPN, they, they broke away from the ball games in order to 
stand on their platform that uh, that they were standing against a bill in Florida uh, that simply states uh, that uh, that uh, no teachers shall be allowed uh, to persuade uh, gender identity on students kindergarten through third grade. That should absolutely be, a matter of fact, they don't have any business doing that to your juniors and seniors. Amen? But especially to those in kindergarten to third grade. That should be something that every American, man, woman, boy, or girl, Republican or Democrat, should fully be on board with. Uh, but Dave, uh, they're talking about how horrible of a bill it is and, and how that there are going to be strikes and the Disney company which owns ABC and ESPN and Disney uh, are going to go on strike uh, in Florida uh, opposing this bill. And it gets me to wondering uh, what in the world are we doing as a people and what in the world are we doing as a church. And, and it gets me to thinking that we often think of the battles across on foreign soil. Uh, my friend, I said it while ago, we are in the thick of the battle here on our forefront. And it's come to our hometowns. And it's come to our cities. And it's come to our schools. And, and it's come to our front door. Uh, and the church uh, uh, cannot and must not remain silent uh, regarding things that are going to affect the lives of your children and your grandchildren. Here we have a picture of heaven being open. We saw in Sunday school this morning, Stephen also said, Behold, I see heaven open. And he said, I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. I see Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Here one more time, we have heaven open. And John said, Behold a white horse, and he that sat upon him is called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. I want you to be uh, fully persuaded in your minds this morning that, uh, that there is an absolute gathering together of those that despise the Lord Jesus Christ, of those that despise His church, of those that despise His people. Uh, they're on your television set uh, pumping that garbage into your homes 24 hours a day and 7 days a week. And meanwhile, the churches have begun to fall away. And COVID, quite honestly, uh, has killed a lot of the churches. A lot of, a lot of churches have never recovered from that. A lot of our people, they'll go out to eat and rest. And I'm just going to be playing with you this morning. Uh, they'll go out to eat in restaurants. Uh, they'll go out and assemble in Walmart. And yet they will not come to the house of God. I want you to understand this morning, in this battle, how the Lord is calling us for a call to arms. And the living church of the living God needs you and needs you to stand and fight and needs you to stand on what you know to be true and needs you to stand on what's been taught to you and handed down from the apostles all the way down to our time today. And you might not realize it, dear friend, but you need the church of the living God in this day and in this hour. There's no way that we can remain vigilant if we're staying at home. For a time it was good that we could still watch the man of God preach on Facebook. I believe that time is far past. 
I believe it's time that we assemble ourselves together in one mind and in one accord, in one body, lifting up our voice unto God. i got news for you, dear friends. There's coming a day. It might be soon. It might be a long time in the future. But one thing I know for sure, what John saw is heaven opened and he said the rider on the white horse. Keep in mind, John wasn't concerned at that time with the glories and the splendor of heaven, but every eye was focused on that rider of the white horse. For it's Him that does judge and make war. The Bible said He had on His vesture, uh, He had on a vesture dipped in blood. He had a name that no man knew but He Himself. And on His head were a crown and many crowns. And His voice is the sound of many waters. It says His eyes were as a flame of fire. Uh, we talked Wednesday night. Uh, John loved the Lord Jesus Christ while He was here on this earth. Uh, John was the one who leaned his head on the breast and the bosom of Jesus had to suffer and ask who it was that should betray him. John loved this man, but now John's seeing the sight of Jesus that he never saw while he was here on this earth. The first time that the Lord Jesus walked this earth, he came as a lamb that had been slain. Since before the foundation of the world, He came as a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. But now the Jesus that John sees is a man whose eyes are as a flame of fire. In other words, His eyes know everything. They know every thought that you think. They know everything that you do. They know every place that your feet take you. Everything that your hands touch. They know your prayer life. They know your lack of prayer life. Uh, they know today if you're saved and they know today if you're lost. Uh, but what you need to understand today, uh, He knows all of that. And uh, my friend today, it's what do you know about your own situation uh, for the life of me? I can't understand how you go to bed at night uh, wondering if you've been saved or if you've been lost. And yet you never see God as Sunday comes by and Sunday goes. I preached a message here one time about how Jeremiah said the harvest is ended and the summer is past and the summer is over and we're not saved. Another revival has came and gone and yet you're not saved. Another opportunity has slipped through your hands. It's almost as if your life is as grains of sand uh, slipping between your very fingers and with every day that goes by uh, you are one day closer uh, to slipping out into the unknown, into the great abyss into the great thing and going the way of all the earth and into that last enemy that shall be destroyed. Uh, you're going to go down into the depths of death itself. Uh, you're going to be placed in the tomb and you make no preparation. Uh, my friend, there is a rider and behold, that rider is coming and he's coming on a white horse and the saints of God are going to follow him. Now the Bible says the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ. 
Uh, we know that today we're living in a time and people don't want to get their hands dirty. Uh, people don't want to get in the battle. I'm telling you today, it'll be to the detriment and to the death of your children except you make up your mind to get into the throes of the battle. Uh, God doesn't need us to save anybody. He'll do that. But God, what God does require is us sometimes just to simply stand and endure the hardness as a good soldier. Uh, Brother Logan was talking about soldiers uh, going over to the people of Ukraine and helping them. I'll say today, God is seeking such uh, to stand and fight or rather to stay on their knees and fight. I thought about the time uh, that Joshua was fighting uh, the battle with the uh, 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 Macalites or however you say their name. Uh, Amalek, he was fighting with them. And Moses said, Joshua... Uh, go and search out a strong man and take the battle to the to uh, uh, Amalek. And he said, I'm going to go on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. And Moses held out the rod of God the whole time Joshua uh, was fighting Amalek down in the valley. Uh, but Moses was an aged man at this time. Uh, it's easy to hold your hands out and hold your hands up. And that rod's not very heavy. Uh, when you first start. Uh, but by the time an hour or two went by, uh, Moses got tired and he dropped his hands. Uh, but every time he would drop his hands, Amalek would come back and put to worse, put to flight. In other words, Amalek was winning the war uh, when Moses' hand dropped. And as soon as he raised the rod of God up again, uh, Joshua would go back on the offense and begin to drive them back. In other words, the prayers of Moses needed the sword of Joshua. But my friend, the sword of Joshua needed the prayers of Moses. One did no good without the other. You can say, preacher, now I pray, I pray for our loss. Prayer is good. We can't serve God without it. But prayer is not everything. Sometimes you've got to unsheath your sword and step out in the front of the battle. Sometimes God requires you to do things that are simply uncomfortable and go talk to somebody or stand up and testify. And my friends, the sword is no good without the prayer and the prayer is no good without the sword. But it's going to take both. If we want to see our, our, our revival, if we want to see our lost children saved, and my friend, they, they stay on my mind. They stay on my heart. I want to see them saved. I want to see them baptized. I want to I want to baptize them or see them baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. If you're here today and been saved and never been baptized, you need to get in the frame and you need to get in the fight. I'm telling you, you might say, preacher, what does that matter? It matters a great deal. It matters a great deal. We 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 are afraid of being called churches of Christ. But in doing that, we have belittled baptism to the point where our own people think it makes no difference. But the Bible says, be you saved and baptize all nations Amen. and all people. Uh, my friend, it's, it's that uniform. Uh, when you go down into that water, uh, my friend, you come up a soldier in the Lord's army and on behalf of Lafayette, Missionary Baptist Church, uh, you take the battle to the world. 
and not have to wait till it I'm telling you, it's time the church of the living God goes on the offense. It's time that we, we have to play defense, but every once in a while, the Spirit of God will stir us up, and it's time to take the battle to the enemy. If we'd ever wake up and realize that the living church of the living God is stronger than any government on the face of this earth, uh, that, that, uh, that actually, especially in America, our government, we've got it all backwards. Uh, we're supposed to cower under them. My friend, they work for you. You don't work for them. Amen. And we've got that so backwards. The power is in the hands of the people. And it's the same in the church. And the preacher don't have the power. Uh, we don't all we're, all I can do is preach what God lays on my heart. But I'm telling you, there's coming a day when heaven's going to be open and a rider is going to appear on planet earth on that white horse. And he does judge and make war. We find in the next chapter, if you go on and read with that and follow the course of what happens here, uh, the Bible says the beast and the false prophet, I read that, were cast alive into a lake of fire, uh, burning with brimstone. And my friend, it goes on in the next chapter and it talks about uh, those that are hurt by the second death. You might say, preacher, what is the second death? The first death really don't mean much in this life. It's just a cessation of living. It's just this flesh dying as every last one of us is going to succumb to. But it's that second death that the unsaved have in store for them. It's that second death. The Bible said, Blessed is he that hath part in the first resurrection on such whom the second death hath no power. So if you've been saved by the grace of God, if you've been born again, you don't have to fear that second death. You are part to be blessed and holy in that first resurrection. As was said a while ago, because he lives, we can live too. And we have possession already of that eternal life. But if you're here today lost without God, it's not the first death that ought to concern you, but it's that second death. It's the death of the soul which will never completely die, but it'll stay in a state of dying forever and ever. It goes on to say, and John said, I saw in the future in chapter 20, and he said, I saw a great white throne, and heaven and earth fled away. In other words, there'll be nowhere to run, and there'll be nowhere to hide. There'll be no more time. At that point, times have been no more, and he that created time has the absolute authority to end time whenever He so fits. But the end of time is not the end of you. The end of time is simply that, the end of time. So you'll stand there and you'll wait in line and you'll wait in your turn and the books are going to be opened. Daniel said the books are already set and the judgment is set and Daniel said the books are opened and the Ancient of Days stands before those books. Uh, Revelation chapter number 20 says the same thing. A great white throne. And He said, Behold, all the dead, small and great, stand before this great white throne. And before the one on the great white throne, the one that's seated at the great white throne is the same one that's seated on that horse. Uh, when heaven is open, and behold, a white horse 
He that set upon him is called faithful and true. On his vesture, as I said, and on his thigh, he got a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It's not Joe Biden. It's not Vladimir Putin. It's not, it's not, uh, it's not President Z in China. There are monarchs on this earth. There are rulers on this earth. But there is one that is far above all of them. And his name is Jesus. And on his head are many crowns. And he is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But there's coming a time he'll sit down at a great white throne and every last man, woman, boy, and girl, the dead will stand before him and there be judged by the things that are written in those books. Preacher, how do I escape that? It says that you won't escape it. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? That's all you've got to do to go to the lake of fire. That's all you've got to do to end up where the beast and the false prophet are. That's all you've got to do to burn forever. It's simply, you don't have to kill anybody. You just simply neglect the gift of salvation. And leave this earth without repentance. Leave this earth without faith. Leave this earth without belief. And my friend, they are going to hell by the thousands today. And the fight, the fight, I'm afraid, God's people have begun to give up in this fight. I know it seems. I know it seems that hope is gone. I know it seems that the world is going to hell in the handbasket, as they say. I know the Bible says... All nations that forget God shall be turned into hell. I've said this before. I'm on record of saying I think America will be judged differently than other nations because America has had the light of the Gospel throughout our existence. We've had the opportunity to hear the Gospel preached and to whom much is given, much shall be required. And for a nation that has had the opportunity to choose God and to blatantly now turn away from Him and teach all of this LGBT in our schools and warp the minds of our children, I'm telling you, the wrath of God is coming. And it's coming to America. That brings me no joy to say I love this nation. One nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. I'm glad we've got liberty. I'm glad I've got liberty to preach unto you. I'm glad I can still stand in America in 2022 and say there is a hell. There is a hell that burns for those that die lost without God. Thou lost without God, there is a hell. And the Bible says those books are opened and you're going to be judged out of the things that are written within those books. Your relationship with God is all about your relationship with Jesus Christ. For when it said He is the Word of God, what does that mean? It means that Jesus Christ is the revelation that God gave to mankind. That whosoever would believe in Him shall never die and shall never perish. But you depart from this life without repentance. You depart from this life without faith. 
You depart from this life without being saved. And I promise you, as soon as you land into eternity, you'll begin to cry. You'll begin to beg. You'll begin to weep. You'll begin to wail. You'll begin to gnash your teeth. Uh, you'll begin to cry out for mercy. But there is no mercy in hell. And there's no blood in hell. And there's no altars in hell. And there's no preaching in hell. But what goes to hell, it stays in hell. It'll never escape. It'll never escape. It's over. It's done away with. It's over. Can I go back, preacher? Can I have one more opportunity? I can remember a time God pricked my heart. Oh, that He might just do that again. That I could fall down in repentance. I'm sorry, friend. Once this life is over, it is into hell you'll go. And into that second death. I'm glad today I've got part of that first resurrection. Oh, you know I said this last week. When Jesus Christ rose from the grave... All of the church, we've already risen with Him. Amen. Hallelujah. Already risen with Christ. Because He lives, I live. And because He's seated at the right hand of the Father, one day I'll go to that land of cloudless day. One day I'll be there when the roll is called up yonder. I'm telling you, we ought to have a call to arms and a call to action. We've got revival coming up in about a month. And there are there are a lot of souls, as far as we know, in our midst every Sunday that will be part of that second death. And when the roll is called up yonder, their name ain't going to be there. There's an old song that says, Please search the books again. I thought my name was there. Please search the books again. I'm telling you, friend, God makes no mistakes. Your name is either recorded in the Lamb's book of life or it is not. Once it is recorded, it's there forever. And if it's not there, it's not there. And no amount of searching, He's the best record keeper that's ever been. He's the best clerk that's ever been. God has a perfect record of your entire life, of every thought. Can you comprehend that today? Of every thought that you've ever thought in your head. Of every foul, low-down thing. But God has made a way for us to be saved. That we don't have to go to hell. That second death don't have to have any power on us. And it's by the way of the cross of Calvary. It's by the way of the blood. As we talked Wednesday night, about what He said. The Lord Jesus Christ said on His last night, He said the time has come and the hour has come that the Son of Man may be glorified. He said that I might glorify the Father that the Father might glorify Me. That this same John saw Jesus crowned with a crown of thorns. Now He sees Him crowned with glory and honor. Amen. Amen. He's no longer that suffering servant but the next time He comes will be without sin to salvation. And the next time He touches planet earth, He'll be riding a white horse. And the Bible talks about a great war in Armageddon. I'm telling you, whether it's spiritual or physical, I'll leave you to decide that for yourself. But I'm telling you today, 
If you'd open up your eyes, you are in the midst of the great war right now. Right now. That's not some far off future event. You are in the midst of a great war right now. And these that are lost without God, they're the spoil. They're what the victor claims. It'll either be decided and they'll either have to decide and you'll either have to decide. You'll have to decide for Jesus or you'll have to decide for the Antichrist. But one way or another, you're going to make your choice. And whichever choice you make, you're going to have to live with forever. Whichever choice that you make, oh preacher, say it ain't so. I don't want to go to that awful place. Now that's number one. Number one, you've got to figure that out. And number one, you've got to know that you're lost. And number one, you've got to know that you're a sinner. Number one, you've got to have an honest heart before God and know that you're a sinner and know that you need a Savior. Number two, you've got to know that a Savior has been provided. And His name is Jesus. And if you don't accept that way, if you don't repent and come to Him, there is none other that can save you. It's Jesus or it's nothing. It's Jesus or it's hellfire. It's Jesus or it's damnation. It's heaven or it's hell. But one thing's for certain, He's going to come on a white horse. And His name is faithful and true. And He'll judge in righteousness. It won't be a phony judge. It won't be a judge that's been bought and sold like so many judges on this earth. I told somebody the other day the thing that that probably drives my gears as much as anything is we see these people high up in society, high up politicians, they get caught breaking the law and nothing ever happens to them and nothing happens to our celebrities, nothing happens to our athletes and my friend, our way of life is under attack, nothing happens to them and my friend, they'll stand before God one day. They'll stand before God one day. But we're living in a culture that's, that our way of life is under attack. Our, our children are paying the price. Why did we put up? Why did we put up? You, if you really want to know, and I'm about done. If you really want to know why the LGBT is so powerful today, let me tell you why. Because it didn't originate with them. The moment that this nation begin to be okay with all forms of adultery and fornication that opened up the door that marriage is no longer holy, it's no longer applied by God, that it's no longer sacred, adultery and fornication and sexual immorality has opened the gate for the LGBT to swoop in. And it will not end with them. Do you know there's already people now, I've seen it, they're arguing for pedophilia, they're arguing for incest. You might say, preacher, that's got no business in the pulpit of God. Yes, sir, it does. Every manner of sin, the Bible said, cry aloud and blow the trumpet and spare not. You might find a preacher that will spare your feelings. I'm sorry, I love you too much to spare your feelings. I love you too much to do that. I'm here to tell you that marriage is honorable and all in the bed undefiled. And the moment we got away from that, we opened up the door for Satan to come in and he will not stop with this. 
It'll keep on escalating. I'm telling you, we need a call to arms. We need the church to be the church somewhere along the way in my life. I don't know what it's become, but the church is no longer the church. It's a bunch of people playing church. We need a church. We need a revival. You need to get in the front of the battle. And I'm saying I do too. I'm saying there's a time for enjoying things in this life, hunting and fishing and sports, but I'm saying there's a time we need to get serious and realize without souls being saved, as big as this church is, we can dry up overnight. We need the power of God. We need the Spirit of God. You might say, preacher, I don't know what to do. If you've been born again, I'll tell you what you can do. You can find some time you get in your prayer closet, preacher ain't got a prayer closet. You need to find you a prayer closet. You need to make you a prayer closet. You need to go somewhere. You can get your mind off things of the world. And you need to earnestly contend for the faith. That was the, do you remember when I was saved? There was a power in the house of God. There was a power in the church. The man of God talked and preached and sweat and spit and people would tremble in their seats. I don't see much trembling no more. I don't see much, I don't see much conviction anymore. It used to be. I've seen in my life a man under such heavy conviction. You know, the Bible says the man sick with the palsy had to be born of four to get him to Jesus. You might not believe it, but I've witnessed it in my life where a man's knees were so weak and he was in so much trouble. He was under such heavy conviction. He couldn't make it to the altar. Somebody had to be on one side of him. And they were on the other side of him. And he had his great big arms draped around their necks. And they wouldn't drag him in, but they were helping him to the altar. I'm telling you, that's the way conviction used to be. Why was it like that? It wasn't because of the man of God. It was because of the church. It was because both worked in harmony. It was because, it was because the church acted as a Moses and lifted up the arms and lifted up the man of God. And the man of God was like Joshua. As long as the church lifts up the man of God, the man of God will put to flee the armies of the devil. But Moses got tired. And they had to put a rock underneath him. He was an aged man. And he sat on that rock. But the longer he held his arms up, the head, he couldn't do it no more. So what did they do? His brother Aaron got on one side of him, and her got on the other side, and they stayed his hands. I'm telling you, the man of God, whether whether you belong to this church or another church, you pray for your pastor. You pray for the man of God. You hold up your arms. You lift Him up. And if you lift Him up, it will equip the man of God to put to flight the armies of the enemy. I'm telling you, we've got the battle. And they come to us like David said unto Goliath. He said, you come to me in the name of the armies of the Philistines, but I come to you in the name of the armies of the God of Israel. I'm telling you, the power that's going to be unleashed on planet Earth you let the rider on that white horse. 
and make his make his uh, make his way to planet Earth. And you talk about man, men are beginning to scramble and run and say, hide us from the face of the one that sitteth upon the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Who shall stand in that day? Who shall stand? The redeemed, the saved, the faithful few. I don't know if this has been much. It's been pretty scattered and a pretty weak effort. But I'm telling you, you ought to get in the front of the battle. You're to say, God, equip me. Equip me. Put a sword in my hand. Put the armor upon me. I want to go forth in the battle for my nation, for my country, for my church, for our lost, for my preachers, for my pastors, for my brothers, for my sisters, for those that are in the forefront of the war. I want to lift them up in prayer. For those who've lost loved ones, I want to lift them up. For those who've had loved ones, and battling disease, as Myra was talking about, they need prayers to carry on in this life. Where does that strength come from? It comes from God, but it comes through the church. That's what we need. We need some old-fashioned prayer warriors. We need some men and women who will get out on the battlefield in the grime and the mire and the blood and the guts and be on the battlefield. God doesn't always expect us to fight. As a matter of fact, there was a time He told Jehoshaphat, you're not going to need to fight in this battle. All I'm going to need you to do is simply to show up. And that's it. He said, you let me take care of the fighting. And Jehoshaphat showed up really early in the morning with all of his hosts behind him. He didn't send out the men with swords. You know who He sent out in the the front of the battle? Were the singers. That's an odd. That's an odd war strategy to send out a bunch of singers to fight an army, but they didn't have to fight. They began to sing the praises of God. You begin to sing the songs of Zion. You let the Spirit of God one time come into this place like it used to in days of old. You won't have to fight the battle. I won't have to preach the message. But conviction will set up in the hearts of our lost and they will run to the altar and be saved before it's too late. Come ahead with a song. That's my thought for this morning. God bless you. Appreciate you coming.